Welcome to the Coffee and Cocaine Show in our continued series of the Meditations of Marcus Aurelius. Book 3. We ought not only to remember that life is wearing off, and a smaller part of it is left daily, but also to consider that if a man's life should happen to be longer than ordinary, yet it is uncertain whether his mind will keep pace with his years and afford him sense enough for business and power to contemplate things human and divine. For if the man begins to date, it is true that through the mere animal life goes on, he may breathe and be nourished, and be furnished with imagination and appetite. But to make any proper use of himself, to fill up the measure of his duty, to distinguish appearances, and to know whether it is time for him to walk out of this world or not, as to all such noble functions of reason and judgment, the man is perfectly dead already. It concerns us, therefore, to push forward and to make the most of our matters, for death is continually, continually advancing, and besides that, our understanding sometimes dies before us. It is worthwhile to observe that the least thing that happens naturally to things natural has something in itself that is pleasing and delightful. Thus, for example, there are cracks and little breaks on the surface of a loaf, which, though never intended by the baker, have a sort of agreeableness to them, which invites the appetite. Thus figs, when they are most ripe, open and gape, and olives, when they fall of themselves and are near decaying, are particularly pretty to look at. The bending of an ear of corn, the brow of a lion, the foam of a boar, and many other things, if you take them singly, are far enough from being beautiful, but when they are looked at as effects of the products of nature, help to adorn and attract. Thus, if a man has but inclination and thought enough to examine the product of the universe, he will find the most unpromising appearances in the results of nature not without charm, and that the more remote appendages have somewhat to recommend them. One thus prepared will be no less pleased to see the ga gaping jaws of living beasts than the imitations of painters and sculptors, and with chastened eye he will find beauty in the ripeness of age as well as in the blossom of youth. I grant many of these things will not charm everyone, but only those who are truly in harmony with nature and her works. Hippocrates, who cured so many diseases himself, fell ill and died. The Chaldeans, who foretold other people's death, at last met with their own fate. Alexander, Pompey, and Julius Caesar, who had been destroyed so many, who had destroyed so many towns and cut off so many thousands of horse and foot in the field, were forced at last to march off themselves. Heraclitus, who argued so much about the universal conflagration, died through water by a dropsy. Democritus was eaten up with vermin. Another sort of vermin destroyed Socrates. What are these instances for? Look you. You have embarked. You have made your voyage and your port. Debark then with, without more ado. If you happen to land upon another world, there will be gods enough to take care of you. But if it be your fortune to drop into nothing, why, then you will be no more solicited with pleasure and pain. Then you will have done drudging for your outer covering, which is the more unworthy in proportion as that which serves it is worthy. For all the one is all soul, intelligence, and divinity, whereas the other is but dirt and corruption. For the future, do not spend your thoughts upon other people unless you are led to it by common interest. For prying into foreign business, that is, musing upon the talk, 
fancies and contrivances of another, and guessing at what and why of his actions, does but make a man forget himself, and ramble from his own guiding principle. He ought, therefore, not to work his mind to no purpose, nor to throw a superfluous link into the chain of thought, and more especially to avoid curiosity and malice in his inquiry. Accustom yourself, therefore, to think upon nothing but what you could freely reveal. If the question were put to you, so that if your soul were thus laid open, there would be nothing, would nothing appear but what was sincere, good-natured, and public-spirited, not so much as one voluptuous or luxurious fancy, nothing of hatred, envy, or unreasonable suspicion, nor aught else which you could not bring to the light without blushing. A man thus qualified, who does not delay to assume the first rank among mortals, is a sort of priest and minister of the gods, and makes right use of the deity within him. By the assistance thereof, he is pre preserved, unaffected, with pleasure, invulnerable against pain, out of the reach of injury, and above the malice of evil people. Thus he wrestles in the noblest fight, to hold his own against all his passions, and penetrated with the spirit of justice, welcomes with his whole heart all that happens and is allotted to him. Never mind other people's speech, thoughts, or actions, unless public necessity and general good require it. No, he keeps himself to his own business, and contemplates that portion of the whole allotted to him by the fates, and endeavors to do the first as it should be, and believes that his lot is good, for every man's fate is suitable, since it is suited to him. He considers that the rational principle is akin in all men, and that general kindness and concern for the whole world is no more than a piece of human nature. Not that every one's good opinion is not worth gaining, but only that of those who seek to live in accordance with nature. As for others, he knows their way of living, both at home and abroad, by day and by night, are, and their companions in their evil way of life, and he bears it in mind. And why, indeed, should he value the, the condemnation of such people? They are who are not even able to please themselves. Be unwilling, selfish, unadvised, or passionate in anything you do. Do not affect quaintness and points of wit. Neither talk nor meddle more than is necessary. Take care that the divinity within you has a credible charge to preside over, and that you appear in your character of your sex and age. Act like a, a Roman emperor that loves his country, and be always in readiness to quit the field at the first summons. And ere you claim your discharge, manage your credit so, that you need neither swear yourself nor want a voucher. Let your air be cheerful. Depend not upon external support, nor beg your tranquility of another. And in a word, never throw away your legs to stand upon crutches. If... In the world, whole compass of human life, you find anything preferable to justice and truth, to tempers and fortitude, to a mind self-satisfied with its own rational conduct, and entirely resigned to fate. If, I say, you know anything better than this, turn to it with your whole soul, and enjoy it, accounting it the best. But, if there is nothing more valuable than the divinity implanted within you, and this is the master of its appetites, examine all of impressions and has detached itself from the senses as socrates used to say and show himself itself submissive to the government of the gods 
and helpful and benevolent to mankind. If all things are trifles compared with this, give way to nothing else. For if you are once inclined to such any such thing, it will no longer be in your power to give your undivided preference to what is in your own particular peculiar good. For it is not lawful that anything of any other nature, as either popular applause or powers or riches or pleasures, should be suffered to, con to contest with what is rationally and politically good. All these things, if but for a while, they begin to please, presently prevail, and pervert a man's mind. Let your choice, therefore, run all one way, and be bold and resolute for that which is best. Now, what is profitable is best. If that means profitable to a man, as he is a rational being, stand to it. If that means profitable to him as a mere animal, reject it, and keep your judgment, without arrogance. Only take care to mere to make inquiries secure. Think nothing for your interests, which makes you break your word. Quit your modesty, hate, suspect, or curse any person or inclines you to practice which will not bear the light and look the world in the face. For he that values his mind and the worship of his divinity before other, all other things need act no tragic part, laments under no misfortune and will want neither solitude nor company, and which is still more, he will neither fly from life nor pursue it, but is perfectly indifferent about the length or shortness of the time in which his soul shall be encompassed by his body. And if he were to expire this moment, he is ready for it, as any other action that may be performed with modesty and decency. For all his long life, this is his only care, that his mind may always be occupied as it befits a rational and social creature. If you examine a man that has been well disciplined and purified by philosophy, you will find nothing that is unsound, fool, or false in him. Death can never surprise his life as imperfect, so that nobody can say he goes off the stage before his part is quite played. Besides, there is in him nothing servile or affected. He neither attaches himself too closely to others, nor keeps aloof from them. He is neither responsible to them, nor does he avoid them. Hold in honor your opinionative facility, for this alone is able to prevent any opinion from originating in your guiding principle that is contrary to nature or the proper constitution of a rational creature. Now, a rational constitution en enjoins us to do nothing rashly and to be kindly disposed towards men and to submit willingly to the gods. As for other speculations, throw them all out of your head. Expecting those few precepts above mentioned, remembered withal that every man's life lies with all the present, which is but a point of time. For the past is spent and the future is uncertain. Life moves in a very narrow compass, yes, and men live in a small corner of the world, too. And most, the most lasting fame will stretch but only a sorry extent. For alas, poor transitionary mortals who handed down no little even of themselves, much less of those who died long before their time. To the foregoing hints, you may add this which follows. Make for yourself a particular description and definition of every object that presents itself in your mind, that you may thoroughly contemplate it in its own nature, bare and naked, wholly and separately, 
and in your own mind call itself in the parts of which it is composed, and into which it will be resolved by its own and proper name, for nothing is so likely to raise the mind to a pitch of greatness as the power truly and methodically to examine and consider all things that happen in this life, and so to penetrate into their natures as to apprehend at once what sort of purpose each thing serves, and what sort of universe makes use of it, what value it bears to the whole, and what to man, who is a citizen of that great capital, in respect of all, of which all other towns are no more than single families. What is this object which makes an impression on me? How long can it last? What virtue does it require of me? Is it of good nature, fortitude, truth, simplicity, self-sufficiency, or any of the rest? On each occasion a man should be ready to pronounce. This was sent me by heaven, this by destiny, or the combination of fate, or by one of the same clan, or family, or company as myself. Who knows what is natural for him? But I do know, therefore, I am just and friendly to him, and treat him accordingly to the laws and nature of our communion. However, in things indifferent, I take care not to rate them accordingly to their respective value. If you will be governed by reason and manage what lies before you with industry, vigor, and temper, it will not run out after new distraction, but keep your divinity pure, even as though you must at once render it upon you. Again, your mind staunch and well-disciplined as if this trial of behavior were your last, and if you will but cleave into this and be true to the best of yourself, fearing and desiring nothing, but living up to your nature, standing boldly by the truth of your word, and satisfied therewithin, then you will be a happy man. But the whole world cannot hinder you from doing so, as surgeons always have their instruments and knives ready for sudden occasions. So be you always furnished with rules and principles to let you into the knowledge of things human and divine, remembering even in your slightest action the connection between two have with each other. For without a regard for things divine, you will fail in your behavior towards men. And again, the reasoning holds for the other side of the argument. Wander at random no longer, alas! You have no time left to pursue your diary, to read over the Greek and Roman history, or so much as your own commonplace book, which you collected to serve you when you were old. Hasten, then, towards the goal. Do not flatter and deceive yourself. Come to your own aid, while yet you may, if you have a kindness for yourself. Men do not know in how many senses they can take the words to steal, to buy, to sow, to be quiet, to see what should be done. For this is not affected by the eyes, but by another kind of vision. There are three things which belong to a man, body, soul, and mind. Sensation belongs to the body, impulse to the soul, and reason to the mind. To have the senses stamped with the impression of an object is common to brutes and cattle. To be hurried and convulsed with passion is the quality of beasts, of prey, and men of pleasure, such as Philarius and Nero, of atheists and traitors too, and of those who do not care what they do when no man sees them. Now, since these qualities are common, let us find out the mark of a man of prohibity. His distinctions, then, lies in letting reason guide his practice, in contentment, with all that is allotted to him, keeping pure the divinity within him, untroubled by a crowd of appearances, 
preserving and it tranquil and obeying it as a god. He is all truth in his words and justice in his actions. And if the wor whole world should disbelieve his integrity, dispute his character, and question his happiness, he would neither take it ill in the least, nor turn, it as turn aside from that path that leads to the aim of life, towards which he must more pure, calm, well prepared, and with perfect regeneration in his fate. And that concludes book three. Hope you enjoyed it.